Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Friday, November 17th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. A lot of great listening over there, over uh, 60 well-curated podcasts, wide, wide variety of topic areas, all being all coming at you from a biblical worldview. My brothers and sisters in Christ over there doing some great work, so I would encourage you to go on over there. I will guarantee you, you're going to find something over there you want to listen to, and there's a really good chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. All right, well, it is a Friday. We've made it through the week. So this morning, like we usually do, we're going to be doing our Bible reading. And then for the evening segment, we're going to do it, be doing the last segment. We're going to be dealing with John 15, verse 16, uh, the last section of, the, of this um, part we call the Friends of Jesus. So let's go ahead and open up in prayer. We're going to open up with the six-day morning prayer. It's called the Gospel. Let's pray. O Thou Most High, Creator of the ends of the earth, Governor of the universe, Judge of all men, Head of the Church, Savior of sinners, Thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches. Blind, but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank thee for thy unspeakable gift. Thy Son is our only refuge, foundation, hope, confidence. We depend upon his death, rest in his righteousness, desire to bear his image. May his glory fill our minds, his love reign in our affections, his cross inflame us with ardor. Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right, the morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for November 17th. The text for it is from Romans 11.36. To whom be glory forever. Amen. To whom be glory forever. This should be the single desire of the Christian. All other wishes must be subservient and tributary to this one. The Christian may wish for prosperity in his business, but only so far as it may help him to promote this. To him be glory forever. He may desire to attain more gifts and more graces, but it should only be that to him may be glory forever. You are not acting as you ought to do when you are moved by any other motive than a single eye to your Lord's glory. As a Christian, you are of God and through God. Then live to God. Let nothing ever set your heart beating so mightily as love to Him. Let this ambition fire your soul. Be this the foundation of every enterprise upon which you enter, and this your sustaining motive whenever your zeal would grow chill. Make God your only object, depend upon it, where self begins, sorrow begins. But if God be my supreme delight and only object, to me tis equal whether love ordain, my life or death appoint me ease or pain. Let your desire for God's glory be a growing desire. You blessed him in your youth. Do not be content with such praises as you gave him then. Has God prospered you in business? Give him more as he has given you more. Has God given you experience? 
Praise him by stronger faith than you exercised at first. Does your knowledge grow? Then sing more sweetly. Do you enjoy happier times than you once had? Have you been restored from sickness, and has your sorrow been turned into peace and joy? Then give him more music, put more coals and more sweet frankincense into the censer of your praise. Practically in, in, practically in your life give him honor, putting the amen to this doxology, to your great and gracious Lord, by your own individual service and increasing holiness. All right, so our reading for this for this morning is Ezekiel 35 and 36, first 18 verses of James chapter 1, Psalm 116, and Proverbs 27 verses 23 through 27. So that wraps up Proverbs 27 for us. So Ezekiel 35, hear the word of the Lord. Moreover, the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it, and say to it, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against you, Mount Seir, and I will stretch out my hand against you, and make you a desolation and a desecration. I will lay waste your cities, and you will become a desolation. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, because you have had everlasting enmity, and have delivered the sons of Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their disaster, at the time of the punishment of the end. Therefore, as I live, declares Lord Yahweh, I will prepare you for bloodshed, and bloodshed will pursue you. You surely have not hated bloodshed, so bloodshed will pursue you. I will make Mount Seir a waste and a desolation, and I will cut off from it the one who passes through and returns. I will fill its mountains with its slain. On your hills and in your valleys, and in all your ravines, those slain by the sword will fall. I will make you an everlasting desolation, and your cities will not be inhabited. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, because you have said, These two nations and these two lands will be mine, and we will possess them, although Yahweh was there. Therefore, as I live, declares Lord Yahweh, I will deal with you according to your anger and according to your jealousy which you dealt with them, because of your hatred against them. So I will make myself known among them when I judge you. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, have heard all your contempt, which you have spoken against the mountains of Israel, saying, They are laid desolate, they are given to us for food. And you have magnified yourselves with your mouth against me, and have multiplied your words against me. I have heard it. Thus says Lord Yahweh, As all the earth delights, I will make you a desolation. As you delighted over the inheritance of the house of Israel, because it was desolate, so I will do to you. You will be a desolation, O Mount Seir, and all Edom, all of it, then they will know that I am Yahweh. Ezekiel 36 Now as for you, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel, and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh, Because the enemy has spoken against you, Aha, and the everlasting heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says Lord Yahweh, for good reason they have made you desolate and bruised you from every side, that you would become a possession of the rest of the nations, and you have been taken up in the speech of their tongue and the rumors of the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of Lord Yahweh. Thus says Lord Yahweh to the mountains and to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys, to the desolate wastes and to the forsaken cities, which have become plunder and objects of scoffing to the rest of the nations which are round about. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, Surely in the fire of my jealousy I have spoken against the rest of the nations, and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession, with wholehearted gladness and with scorn of soul to drive it out for plunder. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel, and say to the mountains and to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys, Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I have spoken in my jealousy, and in my wrath, because you have borne the dishonor of the nations. Therefore thus says Lord Yahweh, I have sworn that surely the nations which are around you will themselves bear their dishonor. But you, O mountains of Israel, you will put forth your branches and bear your fruit. For my people Israel, for they will soon come. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you will be cultivated and sown. I will multiply men on you, all the house of Israel, all of it, and the cities will be inhabited, and the waste places will be rebuilt. I will multiply on you man and beast, and they will multiply and be fruitful, and I will cause you to be inhabited as you were formerly, and will treat you better than at the first. Thus you will know that I am Yahweh. 
and I will cause men, my people Israel, to walk on you and possess you so that you will, will become their inheritance and never again bereave them of children. Thus says Lord Yahweh, because they say to you, you are a devourer of men and have bereaved your nation of children. Therefore, you will no longer devour men and no longer bereave your nation of children, declares Lord Yahweh. I will not let you hear dishonor from the nations any more, nor will you hear reproach from the peoples any longer, nor will you cause your nation to stumble any longer, declares Lord Yahweh. Then the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land, because they had defiled it with their idols. Also I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. Sorry. They were dispersed throughout the lands. Wow, I lost my place. There we go. Verse 19. Also I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds I judged them. Then they came to the nations to which they came, and they profaned my holy name, because it was said of them, These are the people of Yahweh. Yet they had come out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says Lord Yahweh, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations, to which you have come. I will prove the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh, declares Lord Yahweh, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight, and I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to do my judgments, and you will inhabit the land that I gave to your fathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the grain and multiply it, and I will not bring a famine on you. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the produce of the field, so that you will not receive again the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves to your own faces for your iniquities and your abominations. I am not doing this for your sake, declares Lord Yahweh. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and feel dishonor for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says Lord Yahweh, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of being a desolation in the sight of everyone who passes by. And they will say, This desolate land has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste, desolate, and ruined cities are fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that remain all around you will know that I, Yahweh, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted that which was desolate. I, Yahweh, have spoken and will do it. Thus says Lord Yahweh, This also I will let the house of Israel inquire of me to do for them. I will increase their men like a flock, like the flock for holy offerings, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed times. So will the waste cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they will know that I am Yahweh. James 1, first 18 verses. James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are in the dispersion, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance, and let perseverance have its perfect work, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubting nothing, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to boast in his high position, and the rich man is to boast in his humiliation, because like flowering grass he will pass away. 
for the sun rises with a scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let one, no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among his creatures. Alright, Psalm 116. I love Yahweh because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me, so I shall call upon him in all my days. The cords of death encompassed me, and the distresses of Sheol found me. I found distress and sorrow, then I called upon the name of Yahweh. O Yahweh, I beseech you, provide my soul escape. Gracious is Yahweh, and righteous, and our God is compassionate. Yahweh keeps the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for Yahweh has dealt bountifully with you. For you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before Yahweh in the land of the living. I believed when I said, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all men are liars. What shall I give to Yahweh in return for all his bountiful dealings with me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of Yahweh. I shall pay my vows to Yahweh. Oh, may it be in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of Yahweh is the death of his holy ones. O oh, Yahweh, surely I am your slave. I am your slave, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. To you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and call upon the name of Yahweh. I shall pay my vows to Yahweh. O oh, may it be in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of Yahweh, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise Yah. Finally, Proverbs 27, verses 23 through 27. Know well the, conditions of your the condition of your flocks, and pay attention to your herds. For wealth is not forever, neither is a crown from generation to generation. When the grass disappears, and the vegetation appears, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will be for your clothing, and the goats will bring the price of a field. And there will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and sustenance for your maidens. Alright, well that is our reading for the day. I thank you for spending this time with me. I continue to pray that this will help to keep you saturated in the Word of God as we all need to be. Um, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day and you're going to have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I hope you have great plans uh, planned out. We're closing in on Thanksgiving. I, kn I know we're we're kind of looking forward to it and, and honestly we're looking forward to um, due date for our new grandbaby. Um, our new granddaughter is, uh, December 9th, I believe. Um, but, but we've got some indications she might be a little early, so we might have her by Thanksgiving and that would be awesome, but we don't want to rush things and, you know, cause issues. Um, but I, I do, I hope you have wonderful plans this weekend. Um, if you, if you, if you're not planning to worship with the saints and you physically can do so. Uh, there, are, there are great, great, great finders out there for church finders. Uh, Founders Ministry has a great one. It's founders.org and um, tms.edu, Master's Seminary. Uh, you get, there, there's a finder there. You can find um, graduates there and find their churches so you can sit under them there. They are great, great, great preachers. So again, either one should help you. So please find a good, or maybe there's other ways you can find uh, a, a Bible-believing, God-fearing church that you can go worship in. But I would encourage you to do it because we're called not to do Zoom church, but to worship face-to-face. -face. So I would call you to do so. If you're not able to do so, please join us Sunday morning, 1230 Eastern, 1230 Eastern Standard Time. We start live streaming on Facebook at valevalleybaptistchurch.com, or I'm sorry, Church. sorry, on Facebook. And on Twitter, it is at vvbchurch.com. 
Um, and please, please join us. I'm sure Pastor Jay's going to have a wonderful, wonderful um, message coming out of Matthew. We're working our way through Matthew. So please, please join us. Um, all right. Well, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Let's close out in prayer. We're going to close out with one called Repost from Valley of Vision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my faith is in thee. My expectation is from thee. My love goes out toward thee. I believe thee, accept thy word, acquiesce in thy will, rely on thy promises, trust thy providence. I bless thee that the court of conscience proves me to be thine. I do not need signs and wonders to believe, for thy word is sure truth. I have cast my anchor in the port of peace, knowing that present and future are in nail-pierced hands. Thou art so good, wise, just, holy, that no mistake is possible to thee. Thou art fountain and source of all law. What thou commandest is mine to obey. I yield to thy sovereignty all that I am and have. Do thou with me as thou wilt. Thou hast given me silence in my heart, in place of murmurings and complaints. Keep my wishes from growing into willings, my willings from becoming fault-finding with thy providences, and have mercy on me. If I sin and am rebellious, help me to repent, then take away my mornings and give me music. Remove my sackcloth and adorn me with beauty. Take away my sighs and fill my mouth with songs. And when I am restored and rest in thee, give me summer weather and my heart. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. And I hope to see you for the evening segment. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Friday, November 17th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right. Well, like I said in the morning segment, we're going to be continuing on in our study of John chapter 15. We're going to be wrapping up this section about the friends of Jesus. So, Beginning next week, God willing, we will we will continue on in John 15. Uh, we'll have a new new title for the next section. Um, and I honestly don't know what that is. I, I, I hadn't even looked at it yet. Um, I got enough other stuff. I've got a I have to preach right after Thanksgiving um, that Sunday. And then the following Wednesday, I'm teaching or preaching from our pulpit on Wednesday night on Psalms. Um, I believe I'm going to be doing Psalm five and six. Um, so if, 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 if you're not, if you can't worship physically with your own church, um, definitely join us on Sundays. We broadcast at 1230 PM Eastern standard time. And on Wednesday nights, we broadcast at 830 PM Eastern standard time. So please join us. Uh, you can find us at Vale Valley Baptist church. I'm yeah. Vale Valley Baptist church on Facebook and at VVB church on Twitter. And we live stream there. All right. Well, again, we're going to be continuing on in John chapter 15. So let's go ahead and open up. We're going to open up with prayer from Valley Vision like we usually do. This one is called Reliance. Reliance. Let's pray. My father, when thou art angry towards me for my wrongs, I try to pacify thee by abstaining from future sins. But teach me that I cannot satisfy thy law, that this effort is a resting in my righteousness, that only Christ's righteousness ready-made, already finished, is fit for that purpose, that thy chastising me for my sin is not that I should try to reform, but only that I, be made, that I may be more humbled, afflicted, and separated from sin by being reconciled and made righteous in Christ by faith, that a sense of my sufficiency and ability in him is one means of my being immovable that I can never be so by resting on my own faith, but by trusting in thee as my only support by faith, that if I cast away my faith, I cast away thee, for by faith I apprehend thee, and as thou art very precious, so is my faith very precious to me, that I fall short of the purity thou requirest, because in thinking I am holy I do not seek holiness, or believing I am impotent, I do no more." Humble me for not being as holy as I should be, or as holy as I might be through Christ. For thou art all, and to possess thee is to possess all. But to make the creature something is to make it stand between thee and me. 
so that I do not walk humbly and holily. Lord, forgive me for this. Amen. Wow. I don't know the last time I read that one, but that is awesome. Reliance. Valley of Vision Reliance. You can probably look that up online. Um, definitely something you want to go back over. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was awesome. That was awesome. I didn't realize that was the one for today, but that was awesome. I hope I said amen, but if not, amen. All right. Our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Sorry, I was just kind of floored by that. Um, our our uh, devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening for the evening of November uh, 17th. Uh, the text for it is from Ecclesiastes 10.9. He that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. Oppressors may get their will of poor and needy men as easily as they can split logs of wood. But they had better mind, for it is a dangerous business, and a splinter from a tree has often killed the woodman. Jesus is persecuted in every injured saint, and he is mighty to avenge his beloved ones. Success in treading down the poor and needy is a thing to be trembled at. If there be no danger to persecutors, here there will be great danger hereafter. To cleave wood is a common everyday business, and yet it has its dangers. So then, reader, there are dangers connected with your calling and daily life, which it will be well for you to be aware of. We refer not to hazards by flood and field, or by disease and sudden death, but to perils of a spiritual sort. Your occupation may be as humble as log splitting, and yet the devil can tempt you in it. You may be a domestic servant, a farm laborer, or a mechanic, and you may be greatly screened from temptations to the grosser vices, and yet some secret sin may do you damage. Those who dwell at home and mingle not with the rough world may yet be endangered by their very seclusion. Nowhere is he safe who thinks himself so. Pride may enter a poor man's heart, avarice may reign in, in a cottager's bosom, uncleanness may venture into the quietest home, and anger and envy and malice may insinuate themselves into the most rural abode. Even in speaking a few words to a servant we may sin. A little purchase at a shop may be the first link in a chain of temptations. The mere looking out of a window may be the beginning of evil. O oh Lord, how exposed we are! How shall we be secured? To keep ourselves is work too hard for us. Only thou thyself art able to preserve us in such a world of evils. Spread thy wings over us, and we, like little chickens, will cower down beneath thee and feel ourselves safe. Wow, another good one. Um, I wanted to clarify something for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, Spurgeon is writing to us from the 19th century. Um, and you know, we sit there and we think of logs, uh, log splitting now, and we've got, and, and this is talking, he's talking about bringing trees down and then sp splitting these mass trees, um, into usable logs and stuff like that. And in that day and time, uh, they didn't have the monster saws that you and I have, or the, the huge power saws and all the other stuff that they do, um, to, you know, to protect themselves and all that kind of stuff. So in that day, and he speaks of a splinter from a tree killing the woodsman. And I know it'd be really easy for you and I to think of, well, how's a little splinter in the finger going to kill a woodsman? No, no, no. He's talking about splinter, splinters breaking off that will pierce a man's body and kill him. You know, I mean, big old stake going through the body kind of thing. Um, so just to be aware of that, really, that's what he's speaking of is he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby Ecclesiastes 10, 9. That's what he's speaking of. And even back then, actually back then when Ecclesiastes was written, it was even worse. I mean, it was, it was even worse. Um, and you're, you're talking, um, in a lot of cases back then, um, Israel, they didn't have their own, their own smiths. They actually had to go to the Philistines to have stuff sharpened. So, you know. What did you do if you couldn't afford to pay the Philistines to sharpen your axes and stuff? And you're trying to hack down stuff with a dull axe. And, you know, I mean, just the danger there. And that, that's what he's talking about. So I was realizing you and I, in our context, uh, th this doesn't, you know, there are so many things. Don't get me wrong. It's still dangerous to fell trees and stuff like that. It, it is not undangerous to do that. But it's not the same. So I wanted to explain it a little bit to you. Okay, so. Anyways, a little bit of a tangent there, but I wanted you to understand that from Spurgeon's viewpoint. And I need something to drink here. Hang on. All right. That was the last of my diet, Dr. Pepper. All right. 
Well, so like I said, we're going to be continuing on in John chapter 15. We're wrapping up this section about the friends of Jesus. And without going in big, big, long hullabaloo, just saying, we know we're in the upper room discourse. This is the private, this is the private ministry that Jesus is doing with the apostles. He's trying to firm them up. Things are going kind of nuts for them. Um, and their faith is wavering and he's about to be arrested and then crucified. And so he knows their faith is going to waver even more. And he's trying to establish a firm foundation for them to hang on to until he's resurrected and until they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So he's trying to hold them over. He's trying to teach them. So he's taught them about the vines and the branches. Of course, you'll say, well, how's that going to help? Because of the way he worded it. Okay. He was very, very clear. This is an ongoing thing that he's the vine and they're the branches and not just before he's arrested, but throughout eternity, he's the vine and they're the branches. And he speaks about the abiding branches and the non-abiding branches, the abiding branches that are fruitful and the non-abiding branches that don't bear fruit and thus are removed and thrown in the fire. And again, I was very, very clear about that. The abiding branches are those that are saved. The non-abiding branches are those that aren't saved. There's only two kind of people, the saved and the unsaved. The unsaved are thrown in the fire. That's just how it is. There is no other. There is no other. Please, 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 please don't let people lead you into thinking there's another. Well, the same is true of the friends of Jesus. This section about the friends of Jesus, and I know I've told you about that. The friends of Jesus are those who are saved. Those who have an intimate saving relationship with Jesus. Okay, so either you're a friend of Jesus or you're not. And basically, it's either you're a friend of Jesus or you're a friend of the world. And we're told not to be friends of the world. I'm not, I'm not saying we isolate ourselves from it. Um, we have to live in it. But we don't have to be of it. We're not supposed to be of it. So we've talked about it and we've looked at these characteristics of the friends of Jesus. And we saw the first one, that the friends of Jesus love each other. And we talked about how critical that love is. And the, and the fact is... Um, what is it? The, the old song and it, I forget where it actually came from, but it was the line of it was, they'll know we are Christians by our love. And actually John says that very clearly. John, the apostle in his epistles, apostle in his epistles, he, he actually says, I think it's in first John actually. Um, actually, I think he may say it in all three of them or, or at least two of them, uh, makes real clear that we are known by the love we show. And that if we don't love our brothers, then the love of God is not in us, meaning we're not saved. Okay, so John is very clear about that, as Jesus is very clear about that. So we saw that the friends of Jesus, the, those that are saved, love each other. And so he's saying to, to these 11, they must love each other. We go on and see the friends of Jesus obey him. He's making very, very clear to them they obey him, but it's to us too. We are to obey him. Uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. That's verse 14, John 15, verse 14. We are to obey him. Okay. It's not optional. We don't get to do it our way. We don't not in any way, shape or form. So put that out of your head. And I know in our country and in America, it is such a big thing because, oh, we're free and we've separated ourselves from the monarchy and yada, 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 and personal rights and all and all and all. And I'm not belittling that, but it makes us so unwilling to accept our king and be obedient to him. And that makes us at, at enmity with him. We must obey him. And then we talked about last night, the friends of Jesus, they know divine truth again. And I, I told you my story. I mean, you know, had, had grown up reading the Bible regularly, going to church all the time. And the, the just massive unveiling of the scripture when I was brought to a saving faith in Christ by the Holy spirit, it was just, it was, it was, and it really did, did, does actually, even at the time it happened, um, as, as still immature as I was as a Christian, obviously just being brand new as a, ba as a baby Christian, truly saved. I immediately thought of when that happened to me of Paul after his Damascus road experience and Ananias coming to him and praying for him and the scales falling from his eyes where he could see again. And all of a sudden I could see again. I, or I could see for the first time, I could see the scriptures and I started to understand them. Now, of course, my understanding has grown again. Like I said last night, 
we don't magically become experts in the scriptures. Fact is, there are many, many out there that will tell you they've been in the scriptures 50 plus years digging and they're still not experts in it. They are doing their best so that they are as informed and as educated in it as they can be so that they properly convey the scriptures to their congregations. That's, that's why we do it. Um, honestly, I, and it really, it's uh, when I, when I started feeling the call, um, to preach and teach, um, needless to say, I was very resistant. Sweetheart, you'll be proud of me. I didn't say resistive said resistant. She corrects me. And I don't know why I do that, why I use that word. But anyways, I was very resistant to it. I didn't want to do all the work. I really didn't want to do the, do all the work. But as I matured, I hunger for the work, the amount of work that I do to prepare. And I, I please understand, I'm not saying this for you to pat me on the back or, or for, you know, anybody to laud me. I, I, I'm not doing it for myself and I'm not doing it for the praise. I'm doing it because I love my Lord and because I want to obey him. I, 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 I hunger to provide the word of God and provide an understanding of it to his sheep. They're his sheep. They're not mine. They're, they're his sheep. Um, anybody that's listening, any, any, any congregation I preach to, they're not my sheep. I take on that responsibility as an under shepherd because that's what I'm commanded to do at that point. But the fact is they belong to God. We all belong to God, but I answer to him and I, and I can't help, but but, but preach the word. So there's that responsibility. Um, but again, um, the amount of work we put into it, um, that, that I put into it that I never thought. And again, I don't get, I don't get paid to do any of that. I have a full-time job, uh, you know, and I fit it around that, but the amount of work I have to put into it, my wife many a times just sits back and goes, you make me proud the amount of work you do. And again, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I, I, I'm very gratified and humbled that my wife sees that. Um, but so I say that again to say, you know, we don't magically become understanders of the divine truth. It takes a lot of work, but we're commanded to do so. And if we're truly saved, we should hunger to do so. So again, so, but, but our stuff for today, and again, I know I've taken kind of a long time, but I wanted to get us to here. The friends of Jesus, the, the, this last piece, the friends of Jesus have been specifically chosen by him. Verse 16, John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you again. So, so we need to, we need to really grasp that fact. So in the rabbinical system, Jesus is the rabbi. Jesus is the teacher. Typically in that situation, in that system, in that, at that time, students came looking for the teacher. But in this case, Jesus went and chose them. Don't miss that. I mean, and it, it, I, I guess you could even, you could, you could argue if you wanted to, though, you'd be wrong. Um, that we see in, um, John one, we see John and Andrew follow Jesus and talk to him. But let, let, well, and then they go tell Peter and bring Peter to him. And then they go and see some other people and introduce Jesus to him. But we need to also understand when you bring the gospels together, that's not when they came to be his disciples. That's when they first met him. He chose them after that. He chose those 12 after that. Okay. So he chose them. They didn't come choose him as their teacher. He chose them as his students. Now, there were others that followed around and listened to his teachings that were not distinctly his students. Those 12, he specifically chose. That's what he's saying here is I chose you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And then I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide. So John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Now, again, we had, or I'm sorry, it's John 15, 19. So that's, that's going to be in our things in our verses for next week. But again, he's clear. He chose us out of the world. He chose these 11, these 12, but Judas is gone out of the world, but he chooses us out of the world. 
Please don't misunderstand that. John 6, 44, we've already dealt with those verses months and months ago. No one can come to me, this is Jesus, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Draws him. Draws him. It's a physical drawing as in dragging. Dragging. John 6, 65, and he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the father. Again, this is making very, very clear that they are chosen and that we are chosen. That That's what he's saying. He's saying it to them and he's saying it to us that we didn't choose him. He chose us and he appointed us that we would go and bear fruit and that our fruit would abide. Okay. That's what he's speaking of. Um, Acts 13, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed as eternal life, believed, I mean, sorry, appointed to eternal life, believed. Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, this is key. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose, because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, chose to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So these tw these 11 were chosen, as were we. I mean, that that's the point I keep trying to make. But not only were they chosen, not only were we chosen, but we're, but we're appointed, um, tithemi, tithemi is the Greek. We are appointed and they were appointed, appointed, which has the connotation of being set apart or ordained or ordained for special service, ordained for special service. He didn't just randomly pick the 11, 12 guys that, that he liked the look of, you know, hey, they were all above so-and-so a height. They'll make a good basketball team. I'm going to choose these. I mean, it wasn't that kind of thing. He chose them and ordained them for something special. Okay. Acts 20, 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Again, they, they are appointed to be shepherds. Now, this is Acts 20, and I think this is actually Paul speaking to um, the elders at Ephesus. But, but it applies to us. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Okay? Again, appointed. 1 Timothy 1.12, I think this lays it out perfectly. This is Paul talking to Timothy. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he regarded me faithful, putting me into service. Again, he put Paul into service. And then Paul comes back to Timothy. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Again, he was appointed as a preacher and an apostle. 2 Timothy 1.11, for which I was appointed a preacher and, a, and an apostle and a teacher. So again, it's very, very clear that those that are chosen are appointed. Um, uh, again, um, I don't think I wrote this down. I did. Okay. So we are chosen and we are appointed. Yes. All of us are appointed. Okay. All of us are appointed. And here's the part I wasn't sure that I had written down. Okay. We're appointed. So let me read it. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would abide. Okay. We are then to go, go and bear fruit. As one theologian said, Christian life is not a spectator sport. We are to go and bear fruit and sharing the gospel and someone responding savingly becomes fruit that will remain. That's what it's speaking of. Again, Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. We are to go and make disciples of all the nations, meaning we are, to, we are to take the gospel to all corners of the earth. Now, again, I've said to you before, that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to run off to 
darkest Africa or, or deepest South America or, or um, Asia somewhere. There are enough ministry needs and mission needs right here in our own communities. Um, the fact is, I know at one point where I live um, in Vail, Arizona, outside of Tucson, was considered one of one of the darkest places in two in in Arizona and one of the darkest places in the country. Um, not that there weren't churches here, but it was the least churched, as in people not attending in any way, shape, or form, not having any form of faith in any way, shape, or form. Okay. So there's need right here in this community that I'm in. There's needs right here. The fact is I'm, when I finally get my ID card, hopefully it will come soon. I'm going to, when I get through recording this, I'm going to turn around and send off an email, um, another email, um, to try to try to get my ID as soon as possible. So I can join our pastor going into the prison out here, um, and preaching. Um, and again, I hope I'm not revealing anything I shouldn't be revealing. I don't know that we've hidden this. We talk about it in our church all the time and that's, um, live streamed, but, but to be going in there and helping there, I mean, there's a need right there. There's a mission field right there. Who more than those people need the gospel, need the hope of the gospel. But there are people right up and down those. I'm sure there are people right on the, right in the little subdivision I live in out here in Vail that need Christ. And that's where I should be going. That's where I should be bearing fruit. And again, we are called to bear fruit. If we are pew sitters and that's all we are, we're not bearing fruit. If we do our Sunday and, and Wednesday night or whatever it is, Bible study, whichever night it is, Bible study during the week, and we go feed, we go, you know, we go feed the homeless. Um, maybe we take to take some stuff to one of the, to one of the, uh, wow, I blanked on a word, um, the, the food pantries and stuff like that. That's all well and good. But if we are not bringing the gospel to these places and we are not serving the gospel to these people who are most in need, then we are not bearing fruit and our fruit will not abide. But if we are truly and that fruit abides, again, somebody responding savingly, that's the fruit that will remain because you cannot lose your salvation. Okay? You cannot lose your salvation. If they truly respond savingly, they are truly saved. That's fruit that will remain. And if that is what you're, that's the work you're really doing. Again, you and I can't save them. All we can do is bring the gospel, but we have to bring the gospel. And that's bearing fruit if people are responding savingly. But it goes on so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may, he may give to you. And again, that, that was from up above. We saw that in previous verses here in John five, but again, that we, if, if, if that is what's going on, whatever we ask of the father in Christ's name, he may give to us again. Like I've said before, that's not about him being, being a, a little blue genie that goes poof and makes things happen. Okay. He's not, he's not a vending machine. What it means is that if we are doing that and we are truly bearing fruit and that fruit is abiding, then we will be praying. That's what it's talking about. Whatever you ask, we will be praying to the father and we'll be praying in the will of God. Therefore he will be answering those prayers because it's what he would, what he would expect us to be praying because we're praying that his will would be done as it states in our Lord's prayer. So again, we are chosen. That's the thing. The friends of Jesus, the friends of Jesus have been specifically chosen by him. Okay. And it's not a pride thing. I've heard way too many people. Oh, you're so prideful that he would up and choose you. No, no, no. We, we, we have to understand and they have to understand when we speak of that. It's not that he chose us because we have any inherent value. It's absolutely the opposite. That That's what makes us so, so grateful and, and, and so, so humble is that in spite of ourselves, he chose us in spite of ourselves. We don't deserve it. Yet he chose us. Yet he chose these 11 and these 11 would go on to change the world. 
they would be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and they would go on to change the world forever. But so should we. We've been specifically chosen, and we've been appointed, all of us. Again, it is not a spectator sport. So if you're truly a friend of Jesus, that's not optional. You've been chosen, and you've been appointed. And it's time for you and I to get on about the work, about bearing the fruit that God has set us to bear. All right, that's going to do it for this evening. Thank you for spending this time with me. Um, I continue to pray that this time together helps to bring you to a point of a better understanding of the scriptures. Um, Again, I hope to see you uh, tomorrow morning for our Saturday episode. Um, And let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the sixth day evening prayer. It's called the mediator. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God? exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified. May we derive relief from his sufferings without ceasing to abhor sin or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of his blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in his service as well as in his sacrifice. Be constrained by his love to live not to ourselves but to him. Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged, or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right, again, I hope you have yourself a wonderful evening, and I hope to see you in the morning. Have a good night. God bless.